0: What a scramble! What a scramble!
1: Wakanda forever. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, at Yankee Gunner. That's it. That's the intro. Wakanda forever, baby. I'm wearing my Black Panther mask. I'm wearing my Spider-Man underpants. It's all good. We're gonna have a good podcast. I'm so excited to talk about the uh, the Arsenal surpassing. The Divers, the Wingers that are known as Wren Football Club. Um, yeah, we're through. We're into the hat and we're facing Napoli. We will talk about the Napoli draw in a little bit. Late, late in the podcast, you're going to get the Predictatron, the, the much Ballyhooed Predictatron. We're going to give you our predictions for the run-in. Uh, but before we do that, we are going to cover what was a very eventful game. And before we do that, I'm going to do something I'm not very good at, but I'm going to do it because I think it's important. So on behalf of everyone on the podcast want to send our thoughts uh, and our sympathies out to the families, the friends, the colleagues uh, of the victims, the people affected by what happened uh, in Christchurch, New Zealand. And just to say that uh, if you are someone who is suffering from, has suffered from violence or terror, uh, whatever it may be around the world, that our thoughts are with you. Uh, Really hard to read and follow and and understand what's going on around the world sometimes. And this is a particularly brutal event. So uh, certainly our sympathies are with everybody affected by that. And uh, that's... Not my best uh, thing to do, but I I hope that um, it reaches the people who need it. So we love you, and we're with you. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the game. Tim is here. You can find him on Twitter, at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Uh, Clive is here. You can find him on Twitter, at Clive P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Okay, this was a good one. This was a really good one. And um, the, the manager opts to go back three, which... You know, I think there's been a lot of whining in the past about the back three being defensive, but I think we've all grown up a little bit to understand how the back three can operate as a more attacking setup. And thanks to the bung that Raul paid to UEFA, we were able to field Lacazette and Aubameyang together. I mean, Tim, as far as I was concerned, I kind of thought this was the lineup he might go with. I think it Mm -hmm. is interesting, though, that as we get to the crunch part of the season, as we get to the the times when it really matters most— He's going with Ozil. He's going with Ramsey. There's no Terrer, There's no Ganduzi. There's Shaquets, the players who have been there before, uh, plus Maitland Niles. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, it's started to go back to being Ramsey and Ozil's team again to some extent?
2: yeah yeah I'll be interested to see um how long that survives um if at all but yeah I I mean it's it's really really difficult to read Emery and what he's going to do I suspected that that was going to be um the team he would pick as well but he's he's kind of always got a surprise so you can't ever fully say oh I wasn't surprised at all um it's it's kind of like a, a bit of a double bluff but I I think what's kind of important here is we have gone to the back three we've kind of done what we did almost exactly two years ago which is we've you know we've gone to the back three but the back three I think what Emery's worked out is that it works so much better when you don't then have a double pivot in front of it so like when we went to Huddersfield and it was you know a back three with Torreira and Gendouzi in front of it that's unnecessarily conservative for most games whereas I think what, what Emery's kind of worked out here is that um, with this kind of 3-5-2, ha- having that extra defensive platform can therefore help him to accommodate Ramsey into that midfield role that he hasn't really trusted um, him with up until this point this season. So it's like it's almost like a bit of a caveated formation. It's a bit, yeah, OK, I'll play Ramsey as a number eight, but I'll make sure there's a back three behind him. I'll still make sure there's Shaka there. Um, And I also think it's it's a decent way of accommodating Maitland, Niles and Kolasinac, both of whom I think you'd have some doubts about in a back four. Um, But both of whom, you know, are are strong and powerful going forward. We saw that with Maitland, Niles. Obviously, we've been seeing it for a long time with Kalasinach now. So um, and I I think the idea of kind of having the wing backs combine with someone like Ozil who's good at kind of drifting drifting over towards them and helping them and then kind of it also enables I I only like I only really like Lacazette and Aubameyang together when they've got Ramsey behind them because um then they can play that split striker role where they kind of both drift quite wide and it just enables Ramsey to kind of power through the middle a bit, or Ozil. Um, Ozil can do that in a slightly different way. So I, I think you're just starting to get some connections there in the team, rather than having like the midfield, the defence and the attackers, three separate islands that do three separate things and you know you look at um that that defeat away at west ham was one of our worst performances of the season and that was with the 352 but that was that had everything pretty much the opposite of what i just said you know it was it was lots of disparate disconnected parts almost working randomly from each other um so i i've i've liked this 352 um the last couple of games I, uh, my only slight concern i i did think that we conceded a lot on the flanks to Renz after we went 2-0 up. And I was worried about that. Um, and I, I thought he was going to do the Awobi Mikatarian swap a lot earlier than he did. I thought we'd lost control of the game a long time before he made that change. And that's, that's slightly unusual for Emery, um, for him to wait until the 70th yeah. minute um, to do that. But that kind of suggests that he had quite a lot of faith in it. Um, but you're right. He, he could he could also just be doing what you kind of said a couple of pods ago and just leaning on the more experienced players who've been there. Uh, and perhaps, you know, someone like who was quite fresh and Ramsey. They haven't played every single game. Um, they haven't played 90 minutes every week like they would have uh, previously. So. You know, perhaps it. I, I'm not saying that's the reason he left them out earlier in the season, but perhaps there's a little bit of an advantage to be realized there as well.
1: Yeah. And, and look, it's easy to say, well, he's not relying on experience. He's relying on attackers because we needed goals in this mm. game. But I could point to the fact that he's used these players now in games like Spurs away and United at home, which he didn't use do in the past, um, you know, and, and so, you know, he is coming back to a point where he, he maybe feels those um, are the players. Yeah, go ahead. And yeah, the, my
2: my only um, my, the, the only thing I did possibly think before the game, I I heard you guys discuss, uh, you know, the on the previous rounds pod. Um, I I did wonder if he would, you know, just absolutely go for it in the first twenty minutes, which is what we did, and it worked because we scored twice. Uh, the the drawback of that approach is if you don't score the goals, because what happened is once we went two 0 up, we were knackered. Um, basically, but it's it's a kind of high risk, high reward you know, strategy. The, the, I, sorry, keep going. I, I I wondered if he'd try and George Graham it a bit and think actually, if it's nil nil at half time, that's that's not terrible. Obviously, we'll try to score, but you know, as long as even if it's nil nil on sixty five minutes, we can still be in control. I wondered if he'd hold something back, basically, but he didn't, and it worked. So hallelujah.
1: But you know what? You know what, Tim? And this is what I think is interesting. I think this game and the first leg are actually identical games in some ways. In that, Mm. we came out and dominated them and scored early in the first leg, went down a man, and that change disrupted us terribly. I thought in this Mm. game, we came out roaring, put two goals past them, looked like we could put 10 past them. And then once we got to 2-0 and were in the driver's seat for the tie and going through, I thought we looked like we weren't sure how to approach it, and we became Mm. much more uncomfortable we sat a little bit deeper we were a little slower to play the ball out our passing got a little more erratic and i just think much like the first leg this was a game where once we got we got the two goals so early i think we surprised ourselves and then i thought we went through a period where we weren't sure are we still all out attacking are we gonna sit in a little more now that we're through Mm. and knowing that if they got a goal you know we'd be out again I don't think we handled that pressure well until we made the substitutions, which had a phenomenal impact. We'll get to that in a minute. Clive, let's talk about the first goal because your favorite player has his his fingerprints all over it, and that's Aaron Ramsey. Um, I I love the way he's playing right now, and I love love that goal because to me that sums Aaron Ramsey up. To be able to receive the ball on halfway, play the line-breaking pass that springs the, the counter, and then... Motor his way so far up the pitch so quickly that he's at the end line to play the ball for the assist to Aubameyang. That's just Aaron Ramsey all over. So we can talk about that goal and and the way we we're playing more generally, but I'd love for you to just sort of maybe get a little granular on, on Ramsey's
3: role in that goal. Yeah, well, you just did it, didn't you? Really? All right. So, so moving um, on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, fair enough. Well, yeah. So, well, I think we should talk a little bit more about the the formation and what's what's happened to that and Let's what's do that. changed. Yeah, because the back three formation a few weeks ago, everyone was saying it was it should be binned, and it's always about how you play it, right? And when I looked at what we did yesterday, this is nothing different really to what we did for the, the Chelsea Cup final. It's a very similar system. Um and we, we tend to load up going forward and we leave Shaka isolated at the base and he's got a little armchair behind him. It's the best use for our wing backs and it's the best use for Anne Ramsey because he can make that deeper run. Sometimes when he's higher, his jobs are reduced and he just has to disrupt and press. When he's in that centre two in a four, two, three, one, if he does that, he leaves us exposed. If he does that in a three, five, two, no one moans. So as I've always said, it's stylistic with him, how he applies himself to the system that we're playing on that day. This formation always suits him. In fact, if I'm honest a little bit, and I wonder if Tim agrees me from watching it, I actually feel Ramsey does so much work, he runs all over Ozil. He runs all over his space. And I think his role looks slightly reduced. And you look at the two of them, you think, do they actually coexist really, really well? And I'm thinking about how you can improve this formation. And I'm starting to think that if you put Mikatarian into the Ozil role and you get a bit of swapping between Ramsey and Mikatarian, what you gain is a far more dynamic ball carrier and a far more, better two-way player. I'm not saying that Urzel played bad because everyone played well on the night. But as the game wore on, you could see we were lacking control. You can see that once we lost our passing lanes that we didn't have another way to present, to, uh, to fix a problem. And I was, you know, 70 minutes, 15 minutes too late. I, I, I agree 100%. We were losing control. They weren't quite good enough to to punish us. But I'm thinking, ball carriers, ball carriers, ball carriers. I actually thought he might do Terera and uh, Mkhitaryan, but he went, he won't be Mkhitaryan. And the moment they arrived, it was like a switch flicked. It was like night and day. And suddenly... When it arrived at their feet, they weren't looking to pass away out of trouble. They just ran with it and drove with it and drove and attracted people to them. And then they're passing to open men into wide areas. So it was literally a night and day switch. And I, it's, I, it, I don't understand why Emory took so long, actually, because it was begging for it. Uh, maybe he just didn't respect them enough. Um, Maybe they felt more in control, but a fan sitting on his seat, I'm thinking, bloody hell, I don't want him to score. We have to score another one. Do you see what I mean? So, so, yeah, I felt that that was a, that potentially could be an improvement. And now we've got this armchair for, for Ramsey and Ozil. It's like, which one of them two is going to be the most effective using it? They've got two forwards to hit. They've got Shaka behind them, buzzing the ball into their feet. They've got the comfort of three um, centre-backs who are really not moving. They don't want to move. They're the base of the team. And then you've got your two wing-backs just getting on the tip on the outside saying, I'm here for you as an out-ball, either through the line or as a almost like a, a Lauren-type wing-back, somebody that sits under laps, mm. only goes on a couple of occasions on the outside, but really there's a supplementary midfielder, which – maintenance actually is he's a wide midfielder probably at this stage of his career so when we play the three five two but really it's three four three um when we play that system i think it really suits his skill set and i think once those substitutes came on it was interesting to change you thought you know i would have thought maybe he would have brought them in kept the midfield tight and then put hit the one forward on the break yeah. but he actually played the two of them wide he put Mkhitaryan on one side he went with the other side and literally went 3-4-3 three, three. and then Ramsey was sneaking up behind Abamyang as well right so you're literally saying to them you think you're going to overload us but we're coming for you and that's what mm. we did and we got and we got the third goal and all that pressure we saw in the first game where they were doubling up on our you know, they gave Monreal a torrid, right? They're doubling up on our on our wide areas. We didn't see any of that hardly in this game. And that's because of the bravery of our players. The bravery of players like Ramsey who said, I don't care what's behind me, I'm pushing you back. You're gonna run after me now. And they, they and they, they twisted, right? They couldn't do it, deal with it. They twisted and started tracking us all over the pitch and hence why we had a much more comfortable day.
1: Yeah, and look I think I don't know that I totally buy that we we were playing poorly before the subs so much as one of the things that really struck me during that period where we were sort of under the the, the pressure that we were they were pushing forward and leaving a lot of gaps in behind and we were just really sloppy with our our passes to start the counter and spring the counter yeah, um, it was it was a weirdly off day for Ozil I'm not picking on him. He was 78% passing for a guy who's usually in the 90s. He just didn't have his rangefinder on for springing, springing the counters. Um, you know, Shaka, who, again, I thought was really brilliant in periods of the match, but was off his game in other periods of the match, passed it about 80%. And I thought you saw that when they were pressing after we got to 2-0, we had lots of gaps where we could spring the trap, and we just uh, weren't able to, to set it free. So, you know, it, it was... It wasn't the worst plan. We just didn't execute it very well. The changes were definitely mm-hmm. necessary. This was a case where I thought he got the changes spot on. Um, Tim, I, I want to talk about two players who, you know, I, I unfortunately I didn't focus on one of them enough in the last podcast, but two players who I, I don't think can go under the radar in this game, and that's the wingbacks, uh, Coliseon Action mm-hmm. and Maitland-Niles, who I thought both had brilliant games. In Cola's mm-hmm. case, you know, it's just, it seems so obvious to say it that it's not really um Insightful analysis, which is why I'm going to say it because that's sort of my brand. Um, he's just much, much better as a wingback, and as a wingback, mm. I think you go from having a liability fullback to having an elite level wingback. And if you upgrade that Nacho Monreal role at left center back, you've really got something there. Not that Nacho was terrible, mm. but you know, I think we all know he's sort of at you know in the the autumn of his career. Um, Maitland-Niles, on the other hand, looks totally rejuvenated, a player who I think we all Mm -hmm. had questions about earlier in the season has come back from injury and put in some virtuoso performances. So how influential do you think these players were? I mean, Maitland-Niles obviously scores a goal. Kolasinac was putting in brilliant cross after cross and just doing what he does, which is barreling up the pitch, um, you know, like a freight train. I I think that they were the key to the back three being effective, especially early in the match when we blitzed them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because what did Rens do in the first leg? They they just went down the sides every time, and they kept isolating um, the full-backs, and they got a lot of joy out of doing yep. that. So, defensively, it made a lot of sense to kind of double up there because that's where all their danger is. So, you know, can I just say one thing to... though,
3: Tim? One thing. Yeah, go for it. They're, they're, they only did that, mate. At, with ten men. That's the only time they woke up. So it's almost like a bit of a, a false game. But the lasting memory of that game was us getting rinsed in that fullback areas. Right? So I so yeah. agree with you there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the mistake we made as well was keep it. I, I understood it at the time, but as the game went on, it, it should have changed, was kind of putting Mikatarian at right back. And not mm. just because he's not a right back, but we lost a winger. Yeah. And then you can't push them back. And so what what we were able to do with a back three slash back five was a, we were able to like double bank there a little bit. And Mustafi and Monroe stayed very close to, uh, to the wing backs, but also it gives you something going forward. So either their wingers have got to chase back. And if they don't, then you're in space and you've got two guys who are powerful and who can run and can get up and down and can really exploit that space. I mean, I, I I thought subsequently like with, um, Maitland-Niles' hits goal, for example, as soon as it was scored, I turned to my mate and I was like, neither Mustafi nor Lichstein are scoring that. You know, Lichstein has probably got his hands on his knees on the halfway line when that cross comes in. And I don't know, Mustafi pff, might be doing cartwheels or something. I was like, Maitland-Niles scores that because, you know, he's he's kind of more the profile of player that can do that. But I, I thought it was, it was interesting in that it, it it made a lot of sense defensively and from an attacking t- standpoint. And what I what I liked about Kolasinac's performance as well was that this time he didn't have those inside forwards, so it wasn't him and Iwobi, you know, and the, mm-hmm. that, that whole kind of thing that became a bit of a meme that Iwobi gets the ball and then he finds uh, Kolasinac and then you get the cut back. Yep. He's varied it up and now Kolasinac, as you said, is putting in crosses. Uh, not just cutbacks and they're really good ones as well he's kind of whipping them across the face of the goal so Arsenal have have varied something up there in the delivery whether it's just because whether that's come about naturally or whether they just thought this is getting a bit predictable and this is a bit too precise but you know when you've got two strikers like Lacazette and Aubameyang it's worth whipping those kind of low crosses Um, and it it was really impressive that um, both Maitland-Niles and Kolasinac you know as as the whole like point of the wing back role is carried both an attacking and a defensive responsibility like I said I, I thought after the second between the second and third goals I really wanted Mikatarian to come on because I wanted us to maybe protect them a little bit because what I felt was that Rens were getting the ball not not behind the full backs but they were getting a lot of space they were getting like a, a big run up at them and I was and both Maitland Niles and Kalasanac dealt with that really well and when they couldn't deal with it, Monroe and Mustafi more often than not could. But I maybe it was just like the tension of the occasion. Um because I know it, it was super tense, wasn't it? When you get yeah. your two mm-hmm. goals in the first 25 minutes and all of a sudden you, you go from this hugely, right, let's get up and get after the mindset to, oh, fuck it.
1: like now, now, what, now yeah, th- th- That's goal. what I was saying. This, yeah, I, that's why it reminded me of the first leg, Tim, is because yeah. I think when yeah. you have such a major emotional shift in a game from yeah. we're all over them, we're yeah, just going to cool. get at them and, and score tons of goals to we have to rethink our strategy now. And it happened yep. so quickly like it did in this like I do think that that can paralyze you. And
2: it was it was difficult for the crowd mm-hmm. as well because we went from being, you know, really like – the atmosphere was great. It's one of the best atmospheres I can remember in years actually. Like I really think it brings the best out of probably any crowd. But when you've got that kind of, right, we need to win 2-0 – and we're not like playing man city or barcelona here like mm-hmm. we can win 2-0 and that bit of adversity and then you've got like the ref who
1: bless him he was overwhelmed he was in over his head <laughs> and and to be fair though you know you love to defend referees i'll give you that and i'll defend him in this respect Wren yeah, were yeah. working the refs. That was clearly oh, part of their play. And, I, you know, I think you saw it in the Arsenal response. There were there was a period in the first half where we were putting in niggly challenges. I mean, Iwobi yeah, kicked yeah. out late. Lacazette went through someone. Well, Ramsey it put it. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think that was definitely in response to the frustration about the extent to which Wren, and, and they were doing it in the first leg too, by the way, were throwing themselves yeah, to yeah. the ground and working the refs.
2: I I think it helped us because it got the crowd up a little bit. So mm-hmm. after 2-0, when you get that little bit of a lull, um, nothing unites a crowd like um hating on the referee and and so there was all that, and you had wrens be like I think if Wrens had just concentrated on playing rather than trying to get someone sent off they might have they might have had a bit more joy, but it kind of it kept that intensity in the game, which is why you know a a good friend of mine always has this um thing about goalkeeper's time wasting at the emirates um and he's like. I'll never understand why goalkeepers do it like after 50 minutes because, you know, the Emirates crowd is generally quite docile, but they get really pissed off by it. It brings them back in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, it completely raises the temperature of the game because everyone gets annoyed and that then it transmits to the players. And he's like, you know, I understand why they do it in the last five minutes, but when they start doing it like 40 minutes to go, and uh and, and I felt that that was the same with Renz's play acting. I mm. I just kinda thought, You've got some players who can play. And um I I've, I've got a colleague at work actually and his his dad's French and from Brittany and, and his whole family and like his dad's side of the family are all Renz fans and he was saying to me, like, Rennes aren't a good team but they've got good players and he was saying when they get when they feel like they're in the shop window when they're playing psg or marseille or what you saw in the first leg there are a few of those guys fancy a move and um and they'll go for it in those games the the relegation fodder they're not bothered but there are a few players there looking for a move and and i felt like wren should have lent into that strength really um but but yeah, to, sorry, to go back to your question, you know, the... Uh, there was I, a question thought, at the beginning of this? Yeah. <laughs> okay, you say so. I, I, I thought the wingbacks were excellent because they effectively played a really effective, really solid dual role. And actually, I, I think we left them a little bit isolated at times, and I thought they both dealt with it terribly.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I think you have to give credit, even though it wasn't their best performance. I think both Mustafi and Nacho, and yeah. I'm going to get... Look, Mustafi made two mistakes in the game, and as usual with Mustafi, both of them could have been pretty bad and cost us pretty badly, but I, I think in general they covered their their, their wingbacks pretty well. Mustafi had one challenge. I, I can't remember when it was, but it was a really important, good intervention to break up a counterattack, and I think they deserve credit for giving those wingbacks the platform to do what they did. Clive, it sounded like you want to jump in, but I, I do want to shift to the strikers, yeah. so final word on that?
3: Yeah, I... Yeah, I think um, it's interesting perspectives on football. Right, so me and Tim both agreed we wanted Mkhitaryan on that pitch badly, right? So, um, and the fear—I was at the game as well. So the fear of the fan was it, it, it almost dictates what you see. But what, what Tim's view was, I want Mkhitaryan on to protect, and I'm thinking I want Mkhitaryan on to carry to take them yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Because I never sensed. I didn't sense it as keenly as you did, Tim, that they were exposed. I felt they were doing quite well. Maybe they were exposed, but I thought they were doing quite well. And uh, I think um, it's interesting, as soon as the carriers came on, I felt we travelled through the midfield really well, um, and, and and the problem was solved. But maybe with the fan that's 2-0, we're thinking, bloody hell, if they score again... Let's make sure we keep them out, and, and I'm thinking let's get Ramsey off for Torreira. I'll, I'll say it. I think let's get him on, let's get Erzul off, and let's get let's get one carrier on and one person on to protect our defense. So it's amazing what you think when the moment's yeah. on the cusp. Do
2: you know what I mean? The the interesting thing is the conversation I had at the time with a, a guy I sit with is I was like I want me. I was, I was like I don't want Torreira to come on because I mm. think that sends the wrong message. Yeah, then yeah. you do get back, you get into a sitting. I, I said I wanted Mkhitaryan, a bit of security, but yeah, exactly what we're talking about on the counter. Yeah. I was like, it it does it gives us a bit of shape because I felt like the strikers were, their lungs were full because they yeah, were exactly. trying to play as Actually, wingers well, and strikers at the same time. And I thought mm. Mkhitaryan will hold that structure a bit, but it's not a
1: defensive change that tells everyone they've got to sit back.
2: Yeah, that, yeah so I thought I was, that was
1: key too, by the way, because... I I th- I was a little worried that he might take off, um, uh, Aubameyang, who uh, you know continued to have that threat running him behind, and you know should have had two late goals as a result of it. I, I think he got it spot on with what he did.
3: Yeah, he to be honest, I'm going to take change on my edge. I actually wanted um, Ramsey to stay on, but I wanted Torreira um, and to come on, but Lacazette to come off because Lacazette nearly got sent off. Right, And that was a key. He had a rough thing. outing. I, mean, I don't
1: think this was a good game for him. Um, and you know what, Clive? Because this is what I wanted to lead into. So I'll just say it real quick yeah. to interrupt you and then let you go again. But I, I just think cool. that, um, you know, I think when we had these two strikers in our mind, we were like, oh, now we have two strikers who are going to score two goals every game, which is obviously not realistic. But what I'm realizing more and more is by having these two great strikers, if one is in a rut or one is off, the other can still win you the game. And we've seen it periods this season when Lacazette was red hot, you know, early in the season, Project 24, and Aubameyang was sort of out on the wing and not as contributing as much. We rode Lacazette's finishing. And now Lacazette's maybe in a little bit of a rut. I thought this was a poor game for him. Um, and he got picked up by Aubameyang. And that's that's why you want two great strikers, right?
3: Yeah, I'm, there's no issue with, I, I keep saying it, there's no issue with those two. And I don't, it doesn't even bother me if one of them plays bad. If two of them sort of have a, an indifferent day like at Spurs, then we all like, oh, hold on a minute yeah, here. They, they they hold our dreams in their hands, right? So we then get a little bit concerned. But it's not very often that both of them are off. right? You always get one of them do something. And that is the nature of a partnership. You find someone does the dirty work one day for someone else to score and that's what's so good about them They almost don't care about their own personal goals They care about the team's goals and they've demonstrated that they've demonstrated that by example by how they assist each other and how they allow each other to score each other's penalties for example, right so that those two are are not a problem I felt in this game Lacazette's got a, a unbelievable. They're actually they're both doing it now. Let's be fair, they're both working back really well into midfield and robbing people. Normally, robbing the, the the central defensive midfielder, and they're doing it a lot. And they're not just they're smashing them. They really are going for them. They're really physical. They're really setting an edge. You know, when when I go to the games, always come away with a wave of feeling. And what really stood out for me from the last time I went, which was the, the main eye cup game. I just, there's a there's a physicality and edge to this team that's really coming out of the screen. And everybody is on it. Everybody's playing a part in it. I mean, you, we criticise Ozil a bit there. But let me tell you, he was trying. He was running and working. And what's interesting, what I don't notice when I'm watching on TV, is that when there was a... Play uh, a break in play, you can see the organizers talking and pointing and saying, Next one, next one, we go here, let's shape here. And this uh, is everybody. So, before I've always felt Arthur were quite individual, and the individual players I've often criticized because I'm a bit of a team guy, but I'm telling you, there was not one individual out on that pitch last night, not one. Every one of them was bought into what they were mm-hmm. trying to achieve, and you and I can tell you, Elliot, I could see it. I can see it from every one of them. When I see that, I don't criticise one of them. Even Mustafi did a smashing tackle head on, fra- on the ground, slide tackle, and he needed to do it because there were people breaking on his outside, and he took them. He was he was winning the ball early. He was engaging high. Yes, he, when he started to go square, we, you know, we all we all got scared, right? And he got robbed a couple of times. But when it was all in front of him, he was in charge, man. And he paid really well. The distribution was decent. Monreal did the same. He was stepping in. And it was all to support the front two. And there was a period when you thought, okay, we need to do something else. And the front two had, run, had done their bit. They'd worked really, really hard. And we just need to present them with a different problem. My, those two players, uh, I really like them. I wonder what the future is for those two players. I really do. Uh, the, the balance we have is good. I sense there's another version of Arsenal out there, and I ask myself the question: Are these both of these going to go on that journey? I'm not sure because I'm not sure what Emmy wants to look like next year from a from a team perspective. But right now, to watch them two, and watch their supporting cast behind them completely in playing with a common goal. Mate, it's what a fan's all about. It really is. And last night was one of my favorite nights. And we're talking Europa League, last 16 against Rennes. But for me, it's the performance and how we went about it that I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, I I enjoyed it. And I mean, look, there were periods where it felt a little bit nerve-wracking. But to be clear, we won this 3.32 to 0.66 on the beloved wow. XG. Um, and you could say, well, a lot of that XG came from the two Yang misses. That's true. Before those misses, we were at 1.6-ish. I mean, we he had, I mean, really almost two full goals of missed XG there in those chances. But the reason I bring it up is we felt under pressure, Tim. But do you think it is mm. fair to say that Wren really created very little from the pressure. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were offside calls where it was nerve-wracking, but they were offside, so we played the trap pretty well. And other than that, I mean, yeah, we looked a little nervy, and yeah, we were giving them the ability Mm -hmm. to come on to us a little bit, but I never, I can't remember too many situations where, you know, Czech was under pressure. Now, there was the awesome Uh Kolasinac last-ditch sort of diving block that he did you know the sliding block mm. where he got his second leg up and blocked across that could have been dangerous but overall for the pressure Ren put us under they actually created fairly little I thought
2: yeah 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 no totally they they hit the post didn't they at one point offside or, though right oh yeah yeah the flag went up didn't it yeah yeah no very little actually and uh, I, I I didn't say it in the stadium but um, yeah, I, I was thinking like the last five minutes
1: when it felt like we were under a lot of pressure. I was like, I can't really remember a shot they've had. Um, they had eleven and shots a, a, and two on target, and none of them. I don't think any of them were classed as big chances.
2: No, no, I, I I don't remember. Like um, like I said, I I thought we conceded a lot of ground up until the edge of the area, um, and at that point we had basically a back five. Um, sat there and there were no gaps to get around like they got through the other week they couldn't get to the touchline because we effectively doubled up on full backs and then the few times they were able to get crosses in usually Koshelny was there to kind of mop it up so mm-hmm. um I yeah I I didn't really feel I mean I, I felt tense just it was tense don't get me wrong situation. yeah man. of course yeah, it was yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah and and actually we've become I think quite good at this recently at kind of closing games out you know you think of the Chelsea game when we were 2-0 for quite a long time and we we sat in and we didn't really look in trouble Spurs had a lot of the ball didn't do an awful lot with it we sat in and and we defended responsibly United was maybe well United was different and but when we went 2-0 up against
1: United I think I'm right in saying United didn't have a shot after two nil, so they they had one shot in the last 35 minutes something like that they had the Rashford header from point blank in the 92nd minute that was it yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah exactly so uh, what it tells you that um and and again who's to say this all whether this will last forever or not but the last few games we've just become a bit more mature and a bit more able to kind of sit in and and soak up a bit of pressure um which you know we've not been able to do for for many many years now and um, yeah and those teams, like, was it? I think Spurs didn't have a shot other than the penalty in the last twenty-five minutes of the game. Yeah, we we've th- there's a bit of a theme emerging, and again, hopefully, it's deliberate, and hopefully, it continues, and it's not just a bit of an anomaly. But we we've been better
1: at closing games out recently. Kind of hurts my narrative that had been it's because Mustafi wasn't playing, and he played in this game. But <laughs> there you go. Um, I'll stay with you just for a second because I think. You know, and, and just a real quick mention, I have nothing bad to say about Petr Cech so much, but I still feel you can see the difference when the ball is at his feet. You know, that the the, the, yeah. the way we want to play out from the back, we just don't look as confident doing it with him back there. And it, no. I'm not trying to kill the guy. I mean, he, he did just fine, and, and that's not part of his game, and he's a, a senior player, he's 36 years old, you're not going to teach that dog a new trick, but you do see the difference, in my opinion, from what you get with Leno with the ball at his feet. But... We got to talk bombmyang we're we're thirty four minutes into this mm. and and I think he's starred and it 's typical of because tim you know here's here 's the irony right let's say you had a player who got ten uh big chances every game right and missed seven of them missing seven big chances a game would drive fans crazy, but guess what mm. you 'd have a three goal a game striker right yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. you'd have a guy score ninety goals a season um or a, you know a hundred plus goals a season the The reason I bring it up is just that. I think Yang drives us nuts because we always remember the big misses. Oh, we could have had three, could have had four, we could have won 5-0 instead of 3-0. Well, we won 3-0, it was fine. But my point is, this is a guy who finishes at about an average rate. He's going to miss some, he shouldn't, he's going to make some. His elite skill is being constantly in position to score goals yeah yeah, yeah. never seen anything exactly. like it do you think that makes it hard for fans to sometimes evaluate because you don't notice him getting into the position what you notice is oh yeah. there's obamian with the ball at his feet three yards out and he missed or he scored um do, do we need to subtly you know and I, I get we're sort of getting into ozil territory here. Is oh you don't you know if you don't see what ozil's doing you don't understand football you have to you know view it from a four degree angle from thousand feet over the stadium then you can see like like am i am i overdoing it on Yang or is it fair to say that his elite movement and ability to constantly get into those scoring positions is something that we maybe don't fully appreciate when we're seeing him score two goals and miss two chances
2: yeah absolutely because we see you know we see him score the tap in and like you say no no one appreciates the run that gets there you know it's a bit like um raheem sterling this season like he he must have scored i don't know between fifteen and twenty goals, probably from a combined distance of about thirty yards, but it's not a mistake that he's always there on the yep. goal line, and uh, and it's the same with the Bamiyang and and you know this doesn't happen with most other strikers, even the really good ones, you know there, there are some with different styles like like Kane doesn't score loads and loads of tap ins because. Um, He actually views himself as a bit more of a nine and a half. He likes to drop deep and connect the play and he tends to take shots from longer out. But I, I, I just think about uh, is, it it's not a perfect comparison, but I think Abameyang and Aguero are just so similar in that respect. If you I actually totally watch, agree. Yep. Yeah, if you watch Man City, Aguero misses a lot of sitters. And, and that's not because he's a bad finisher and it's not because Aubameyang a bad finisher to, to a degree. It's just, if you keep getting in those positions, you're going to have quite a lot of bad misses. But I, I, I agree that Aubameyang is perhaps not a brilliant finisher, but his skill is being in the position for a fairly easy finish every single time. And, and I guess the other reason it's difficult to appreciate him is because he doesn't, he doesn't do a lot else um, that, that we can look at. And, you know, he's not, involved that much and um i i think that the best way i saw it summarized was actually by lewis ambrose who just kind of said people always say oh if abamiyang doesn't score he doesn't do anything but he always scores <laughs> which which renders the argument kind of null and void and 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 i think that's where we are like you know, he he doesn't necessarily play well. And you're right, Elliot. There there are a few things that make you tear your hair out and 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 sometimes chronology matters. Mm-hmm. You know, if he misses those two chances but then scores at the end, then the chronology is different and your memory is different. But when he scores two and then he's got two guilt edge chances for hat tricks that he misses, that's what sticks in your head. So there's there's a few things going on there, but ultimately we're, we're, you know, we're nowhere near challenging for the title, but we've got a guy who let's he's going to score 30 goals this season. Yeah. He's on 22. He, he's probably going to break that 30 barrier. That's, that's, that's quite unique, um, in the last decade or so teams in our position. Don't usually have, um, 30 goal a season scorers. probably, probably Van Persie for us might've, have, might've have been the last one. Um,
3: Shall I, I like tell you really should painful, I tell you what so. he what his trick is in that box, what he does. Right. So there's a trick you always tell a striker, make sure the person passing to you can see your boots. And by that it means can you get onto a line where they can see you to fire it into your feet? And he does that as well as anybody, and that's why it looks so easy. But he's if you look at it, you think, pass it, pass it, pass it, because he's there. How does he get there? And Gary Lineker had the same skill. He'd win the yep. sprints in the box, and uh, he makes the side foot look so simple. But what he's really doing is making sure the person crossing can see his boots. And then it's a simple cross. And on the third goal, is exactly that. If he's one yard further in, he's marking himself, and we're smashing the ball across the box and no one's there, and we're saying, oh, Klasnik's final ball's not very good, or when, when, why haven't we got anybody in the box? But his trick is, I make sure that the sister can see my boots, and that's a simple skill, but it takes a lot of physical effort and separation skill to make that happen. And and what's he got? He's got he's got two first two yards like light lightning. Mm-hmm. There I'm um, there, He's unbelievable. You can't track him. I don't care who you are. You can't track him. He's actually he's fifteen to twenty yards pace. It's probably not the same as it was three years ago. But he doesn't need that in playing for Arsenal because we pass a lot into the box, don't we? We really do. We're from door we've got one of some of the best passers into the box in the league, and now we've got a player that wants passes into the box. Right? And so that's that's his trickery. I just wanted to explain it to you. Yeah. That passing rate is the key. It's
1: it's, it's key. brilliant. And and you know, watch him for the for the second goal, the um actually for both goals really, but the second goal, the way he varies his speeds to like make sure he stays in line. And some people thought that was offside. I certainly don't think that was offside. But that Kolasinac is inch perfect because Aubameyang arrives into that position so flawlessly, right? I mean, some strikers are offside there or some strikers trying to stay behind the line don't get to it. He just has that perfect feel for how to time his run. Also, I mean, I think he deserves credit for the assist to Maitland-Niles. Look, I don't think for a second yeah. that he spots Maitland-Niles and he's crossing him. I don't believe that. I think he's just trying to dig out a cross. But... You know, to be intelligent and alert enough to know that he was not offside, you know, that Kola was, was offside but wasn't playing the ball, to stay alive to it, to sprint, to get to it, to do the, the work to get to that ball and dig out across, I think he deserves a lot of credit for it. And the misses are bad. There's there's no denying the misses are bad. But, you know, I, I think, it, again, if you're going to get four big chances in a game and convert two of them, I will fucking take that all day long. Um, Tim, just super, super quick, uh, you know, I, I liked the Black Panther thing in the moment. Now that I've seen the kinds of people it's upset, I like it even more. <laughs> are you enjoying it more the day after now that you can see who is most upset by it? I, I have to say I haven't actually seen anyone um, upset by Seems it. Seems like a lot of United me... fans and, and Spurs fans for some reason <laughs> oh, are right, Russell. Okay.
2: You know. Oh, no, I, I I saw some Spurs account
1: um yeah talking about it Kane Kane would never do that you know he would just do things that are not cringy at all like like uh 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 what promising his daughter's life on the fact that he scored a goal so it could be credited to him
2: yeah Yeah. and and you know maybe I'm taking a bit of a leap here because I don't think this is why he did it but um you know maybe a guy who had a banana thrown at him by a Tottenham fan um yeah you know might like to celebrate with uh, with you know with an image that's 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 like culturally um, representative quite, yep mm-hmm. quite powerful yeah in that respect but look I you know I I don't I mean, maybe he did but I don't think he did it for that reason it's it's just a bit of fun isn't it it's just like I I thought it was great um I know he he intimated in an interview recently that he might do this. If you watch when he scores the penalty against United, he goes looking for that mask and he, he can't. Was, find he? It. he was looking for well, it. Well, there, there <laughs> are
1: rumors that he was going to pull it out for the penalty at Spurs. <laughs> and, yeah. You know. I, I'm, I'm less
2: convinced by that because I, I, I don't think you can get away with that, like, not oh, in your you home stadium.
3: It. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but yeah he if you if you watch that celebration again when he scores the penalty against United he goes rummaging behind that that scoreboard I I thought it was great and look how viral has that image gone and uh and and you know for, for people who do I, I kind of get it with other fans you know fans of other clubs because you know they just want to complain because because it, it's Arsenal but I the other thing is is like and and I think this is a lesson that we all need to learn from and some of us more than others. Not every single thing that happens is aimed at you. And so for me, I, don't get me wrong, I still enjoyed it. But as a 35 year old middle class white man, you know, it doesn't have to be aimed at me um, personally. And that's that's fine. You know, it hashtag you know, against I, modern football. You, you, you don't you don't have <laughs> to get angry because things aren't for you. You know, you can just kind of go, well, yeah, I'm, you know, 30, 40, 50 year old geezer. I've, you know, I've never seen Black Panther. I'm not interested in it that's fine it doesn't have to be for you, you to be fair just Tim. ignore it Go on with
1: your life it's just like all your posts about women's football which i'm sure met with tremendous <laughs> yes. amounts of rational respectful responses <laughs> from people who are saying you know what it may not be for me but i'm glad this exists i'm sure that's all, all you get from that too it, in, in the end, uh, to be fair we do we do get quite a lot of that oh so, no of yeah. course look it but is, yeah, it is yeah, yeah. often the the loudest most repugnant voices that are heard and shared the most, which is sort of the unfortunate thing about social media is yeah. that it rewards bad behavior, um, you know, because it's clickbait, right? It's just a social form of clickbait. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, At the end of the day, it was a hell of a lot of fun. Look, there was something about strikers in these foreign countries putting on, you know, uh, luchador masks or, you know, uh, character masks after scoring goals that seemed so distant and not associated with us, and to have the guy doing it at our club now, I think it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and, did, you know, did, you watch, did you watch the draw today? I didn't watch it, but I am aware of it. (laughs)
2: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, it's just uh, several people pointing out the irony of the fact that Aubameyang was booked for that, but that image was all fucking over their montage um, before the draw, you know.
1: Yeah, it's not an
2: acceptable behavior, but we are going to use it for marketing purposes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, and it's great marketing for let's be honest, a competition that suffers in terms of marketing.
1: Yeah, no no doubt. Um, well, I mean, look, it, it is what it is. It's a hell of a lot of fun. I'm happy for him. I think it would have been problematic had he had those two misses and then somehow Ren found a late goal, but it didn't happen. Clive, final thought on this match, just real quick, before we talk uh, briefly about Napoli, and then do our predictor-tron for top four. It's still coming. Um, so for you, um, it will be a Mkhitaryan I thought were excellent. And I still can't help but kind of sort of believe we still look better with one up top and those two guys on the pitch or two guys on the pitch who, you know, aren't Lacazette. And it's not Lacazette. It could be Lacazette instead of Aubameyang. I think Iwobi, I have to admit, I've been critical of him at times this season for lack of end product. But he really seems to be coming into his own. He's so strong on the ball. There's a confidence about him that's coming back. Um... I think the return of Mkhitaryan from in, since he's come back from injury, and Iwobi, uh his performances since maybe just being taken out of the firing line a little bit, I, I've been super impressed by both these players. Who would want to be a manager? I mean, for you, how do you keep those guys out of a starting lineup when they look so influential when they come on like this?
3: Well, if you look, if you looked at the, the flashes of TV last night, and um, when I got back I watched the game, and basically if you look at Torreira and Granduzi and and when Iwobi is on the bench versus Manchester United, they don't look unhappy, do they? They don't look unhappy. When they you know, when they come off and come back on and they celebrate at the end, everyone looks like they're okay. I think we've made the mistake many times in the past of overplaying players. And is a great example of that. How fresh does he look? You know, he looks really fresh. And when he's fresh and not injured, guess what? He's not a bad player, is he? You know, he's motoring around that pitch. He's been taken out, not started, and people have been complaining. Who's to say that the manager has not targeted this week? You've got Manchester United Spurs in a, in a last 16 Europa League game. And all of a sudden, the players who want fresh are fresh and available to play. You know, and, it's, and, and play to levels that we need. That in all three of those games, we are in charge. And we could have had, you know, um, but for a penalty miss, we could have sorted Spurs out as well. So I think I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this formation. I, I use it myself when I, when I coach. I'm a big fan of changing the interior players around for the game state. So whether you have one in front, the back four or back three, sorry, or two in front, whether you have two forwards, one behind, or two behind, one up top. It doesn't matter. It's all about the game state. What are you trying to prepare for? But on the outside, you have your armchair and that creates the stability in your in your system. And on the interior, you have your game state. And that means I can change that around. So I can have two defensive if I, if I Get a result. I can have two fours if I'm 2 nil behind the last 16 Europa League game. Or if I if I need to change how we transfer out the pitch, I can have a couple of ball carriers in there as well to travel. And this is why I like it. And I don't ever I never say complain about the formation. You complain about how it's played. And not I'm not even as so much the personnel. So if you pick the wrong personnel, maybe for a certain day, as Tim to around Huddersfield. Then you say, well, maybe it looks a little bit negative. But then you ask yourself on that day, what what was the positioning of our win-backs and who was actually playing there? Did they really progress? Were they really aggressive? Did they feel tentative? It's all about your... It's a formation that's positionally based. So if you get your position right and your starting position right and play with the right aggressiveness, then you're going to see what we saw last night. So um, sometimes, Elliot, I want the two to play. Sometimes when you see Mkhitaryan and Iwobi come on, you want them to play as well. I mean, Awobi literally took the mickey out of them. He's got such body confidence. He was pinning people. I wish I name. had some of
1: that, frankly, yeah. if we're being honest. <laughs> so I could use some body oh, confidence. Yeah.
3: I know where Tim sits to the ground. So he's right in front of us, and I was on that same that same side. And he was taking the ball off throwings and going, Bosh, get off me. I'm going to roll it inside. And, and basically, it was like trying to move a wardrobe. You couldn't move it. And um, then he would turn around, he would slow down, he'd play inside. He looked so confident. Not that player dancing around the ball, just sticking it into an area to get an ooh from the crowd. Not that anymore. He's holding people off. He's playing it to feet. He's running at people. He's slowing down. Change of pace. Uh, It's incredible, the maturity. And this is what happens with young players. They can just mature right in front of you. And you think, crikey, they've made it. Then you go over the top. Then they have a bad game. But he's getting closer to being consistent. And you mm. called it at the start of the year. You did call him out, didn't you, as your player of the season? I did. Your, your, I, I lost a little faith play. at one point, if I'm being Yeah, fair. that's okay, man. Don't worry. We always get that little bit wrong. But let me tell you, you called it, and I I thought at the time where it was brave. But you look back now, and I thought it was a, a smart bit of projection. And I'm starting to wonder, not only is he – you know, the question was maybe at the start of the year, is he good enough for Arsenal? Now I'm starting to wonder, how good could he be for Arsenal? And I really saw that last night. That's what I walked away with.
1: Yeah, I, I was super impressed. And look, I, I think what we can do now is just shift uh, to Napoli and the Predictive trauma. We can take a little break to do that. So uh, what I'm going to tell you, a couple things. We are uh, hoping to repeat our title, to defend our title uh, in the FBAs, the Football Blogging Awards, as best podcast as voted by the fans. Um, that is you. You might be like, well, I'm not a fan. I I don't even like this podcast. In which case, I would suggest um, rethinking your strategy because you're listening to it right now. Uh, So for those of you who are listening and actually enjoy it, which hopefully is a a large uh, cohort of the people listening, um, you can go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash FBAS, FBAs. And there's a little widget that says vote. You tap it. And you voted. You don't even have to put in an email or anything like that. There's also an option to tweet out your vote, which uh, gives us a little hashtag social proof. But we're certainly not in it for that. We're just in it for the awards. Um, so yeah, another quick announcement. Up, I yeah. might actually
3: turn up this time. And oh,
1: you mean it. you mean you might show up to claim the award as opposed to it having to be claimed by some stranger who I've never seen before, uh, who's photographed I, uh, holding our award. That would I may be nice. Do that. that would be I nice. Seeing as how that. it's in London and you live in in London. Um, last <laughs> announcement is uh, hey hey guess what. The Enclosed, our lingerie friends, our friends with all the sexy, silky stuff. You don't want to miss them, and they don't want to miss us. They have signed on for the balance of 2019. That's right. We are in women's underwear for the rest of the year, and we are thrilled about it. I know Paul is particularly thrilled about that. So uh, you definitely want to visit them, and you're going to be hearing from them in the break, which is coming up now. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about sexy panties and stuff, and then when we come back, we'll quickly talk about Napoli, a little less sexy, and then the Predictatron. Very sexy. Stay with us. Okay, everyone, it's time to tell you about our friends at Enclosed Lingerie. You can find them online at the enclosed the E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D.com. Enclosed Lingerie is a lingerie of the month club. That's right, just like a beer of the month club, only better, because it's a high-end luxury lingerie gift for you and your partner that's going to enhance the intimacy in your relationship. Right now, if you put in Arsenal at checkout, they're gonna give you $35 off any gift from Enclosed Lingerie. So you're gonna wanna go to theenclosed.com and sign up now. What better way to celebrate the romance in your relationship than celebrating with a gift from The Enclosed, and the gifts keep coming every month. So while it can be difficult to remember to keep the romance, to keep the intimacy in your relationship, The Enclosed has your back. Every month you're going to get that high-end luxury lingerie gift, and it's going to remind you of the importance of romance in your relationship so do it now go to the enclosed.com there is a perfect fit guarantee so you never have to worry about the fit it's beautiful high-end luxury lingerie just go to the enclosed.com and enter promo code arsenal for 35 dollars off at checkout do it now Okay, we're back, and we're gonna whip through this. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this pot up a lot quicker than you think. We're fifty three minutes in. Trust me, it's not going much longer. We're just gonna talk really really fast. So if you're on two x speed, it'll be done in like thirty seconds. Um, Tim Napoli, mm. uh, mm. it is not the best draw. Although I will say, I don't think Valencia or Real are that much to fear. I don't think Napoli are that much to fear when you consider what we went through last season. Atleti, you know, they are a legit Champions League team. They are, and I realize mm. they just got dumped out by Juve, but that was a challenge that was probably the sternest challenge you could face or hope to face in a Europa League. Um, I think that Atleti team is certainly better than the Chelsea team we could be on track to face in the final. So while this is the harder of the two sides of the draw, I'm happy that we're kept apart from Chelsea all the way to the final if we get there. Let's just focus on Napoli for the moment. Your reaction to that draw, and mm. maybe you can just remind people of an article you wrote about what it's like to go to napoli um beautiful part of italy but maybe not the best away trip for a football fan
2: yeah so um uh, i kind of had mixed feelings about the draw at the time because uh i was i was i looked at some of the destinations and i was thinking well they all look good <laughs> and and so in my mind i thought i'll go unless it's napoli um, and so the, the, yeah, the, the reason I won't go, I mean, it's, it's quite expensive. It's going into Easter weekend. I've been there before. Um, I stayed in Sorrento a little bit last time, which if you're planning on going, I'd really recommend cause Sorrento is beautiful and it's, it's not very far away. Um, you, you'll have to stay in naples you won't be able to travel from the stadium to sorrento but um yeah but it's i so i've been to a lot of places to watch football inside of europe and you know in 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 south america and so i've i've been to i've been to istanbul i've been to rome um i think quite strongly napoli shouldn't be allowed to play at home in european competition for the simple reason that they absolutely cannot guarantee the safety um, of supporters. And the reason they can't is because they still do this thing where they bus you in 15 minutes off to kickoff. And that's so that there are no Napoli fans around. And if that's how far you have to go to assure the safety of the away fans, then the home team shouldn't be allowed to use their stadium. Um, and frankly, the police there are dangerous. Um, they put you in harm's way. I think they do it deliberately um they're very very uncommunicative surly um and and i think they deliberately kind of put you in harm's way they dumped us somewhere at like one o'clock in the morning after the game i was on my own i had to uh, naples at one o'clock in the morning you know it's 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 a weird city naples it's it's um it it's one of the best and worst places I've ever been, all at the same time. It's it's an acquired taste. It's it's quite raw and rough and ready, and and there are things about there are some things that are, I really liked about that, and things I really didn't like about that. So, aside aside from that, um, anyway, I'm I'm actually quite happy with the draw because I think we're going to have to beat Chelsea and Napoli um, to win this thing, at least one of them, and if we're not going to do it. Let's go out in the quarterfinal, but um, but also on top of that, I just last night was felt like the first proper European night at the Emirates Hmm. for me, um, for quite a long time. And I count even some of the Bayern and Barca games, which to me were more about celebrity than an actual football match, it was all messes here and stuff like that rather than here's a football match we can win it reminded me of the old cup winners cup and this is kind of what i hoped would happen when we dropped into the europa league i thought well at least we can compete and try and win it and and actually last season shattered some illusions because i thought it was fucking terrible until we played athletic i thought all the games were awful and i didn't really enjoy it that much we've actually through a little bit of incompetence made the last two rounds quite interesting but last night it really felt like there was something in the air from the off and pe- and something happened that I haven't heard for ages, people were singing on the way to the tube station after the game, you know that energy and that excitement was all there and, and I think um, drawing a team like Napoli just keeps that alive and uh, I, it's it's, it's going to be a really good game and um, and uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it if perhaps we were sit- languished in six six seven points away from the top four i, I wouldn't like it <laughs> but the fact that we're still in that top four race and i'm not taking that for granted that's still going to be difficult mm. I, I i feel like yeah let, let's have another kind of two games that that keep that try and keep some of this momentum going um i'm really looking forward to it
1: yeah i i mean i i would say we shouldn't fear these kinds of games, but that's rich coming from a club that found a way to lose at Bate and lose at Wren. Um, you know, we shouldn't get so hubristic based on our recent results and performances that we think we are now entitled to beat a team like Napoli. And I think they might be the toughest opponent, non-Chelsea opponent left in the in the competition, but we still should have enough for them. And the way we are playing, I think, encourages that. And I also think the fact that we now have off until April first, as long as we don't lose hashtag momentum, um, is a huge advantage for us. We should be fit, healthy, and rested by the time you know this competition comes back. Clive, just super, super quick so we can do this predictatron and get out of here. Um your thoughts on drawing Napoli.
3: Yeah, I thought it's tough tool, right? Um and it's a tough draw because they are a, a proper European club, and they have got good players, particularly at the top end of the pitch, and players that we know. You know, a lot of these teams that we played in the Europa League, we don't know hardly any of their players, and um, so we know we know players like Milik, we know players like Kayaaron. I can't tell I'm saying that right. Kayaaron, <laughs> we know player. Drees uh, Mertens, we know these players, Koulibaly. We 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 want some of these players, right? We were linked with Mertens. We we'd loved Koulibaly. So these players are they're they're proper players and um so that's gonna that's gonna bring a level of concentration. I, I, I did feel we lack concentration against Barty away and I did feel that the the Manchester United game hovered over Renzo away. And Spurs games, etc. I think they hovered over that, and some of the decisions we made away from home substitutions. I would like to try to explain them that we had upcoming games, we were going to use wing backs, etc. So maybe that's been proven, but I'm not so sure. But hey, look, this is a good draw. It's good. definitely one of the games I'll be going to in the midweeks for the home game for definite, and I'm and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yep, and I would say that you know to be fair, I mentioned the Ren tie as one that. Um, You know, we lost the first leg, but I think if we don't go down to 10 men, we win that first leg 6-0 the way we were playing. So I I don't think it's totally fair to point that out as somehow being, you know, a poor performance. Okay. Are you ready for the headline? Are you ready for the headline event? We are one hour into the pod. We're going to see how quickly we can do this. I am going to read off a fixture and you're going to give me results. Do you want to go club by club or week by week? I think club by club because we don't know when these are going to get rearranged to. Do you guys agree with club by club? Yep. Okay. Here we go. Tim, I'm going to mm. give you Spurs first. Okay? Okay. Uh and and Clive, I'll give you this too. I've filled mine out by the way so that we don't I don't have to read it off, but I can tell you what I've done. Okay. Here we go. Uh Palace at home, Spurs. Um draw. Draw. Okay? Clive, Palace at home, Spurs. Um Spurs win. Spurs win. Okay, I have that down as a Spurs win as well. Tim, Liverpool away. Um, draw. Okay, wow, really? Okay, good for Spurs, I guess. <laughs> uh, Clive, Liverpool away.
3: Liverpool, Liverpool win.
1: Okay, I love it. That's a zero for them. Uh, I have that as a Liverpool win as well. Brighton at home, I have three points for Spurs. Yep, same. Okay, Clive?
3: I'm going to go draw you're going to go draw Brighton at home. Okay, good for you. we will mix oh, it up. Does t- can can I depend what they are they playing? N- that might be their first game in their new stadium, right?
1: Uh, you know what? We're just going to we're just going to go through this cuz I don't want to take all day. Okay, so we're just we're just going to give them the one point that you've given them and move on. By the way, huge cool. props to N Duzi on the Discord, who created the Google Doc I am using for this. So huge credit to Nguye and Doozy for it, and we really, really appreciate you. Okay, um, so you're giving them one for Brighton at home. Yeah. Okay, yeah. how about uh, Huddersfield at home for Spurs? Tim? Win. Spurs win. Spurs win. Okay. I have that as a Spurs win as well. How about you, Clive? Yeah, win. All right. Win. Man City away. Tim? Loss. Yep. Spurs defeat. Yep. Yep. Same, same. West Ham home. Tim? Um,
2: Spurs win.
3: Yep. Clive? Spurs lose. Spurs West Ham
1: lose would... West Ham at home.
3: I love it. God bless you. What? All right. West Ham would rather kill their own mothers than lose that game.
1: I mean, me. who, who wouldn't rather kill their own mother, if we're being honest? <laughs> um, okay. How about Bournemouth away, Tim, for Spurs? True. Oh draw. Okay, we all think Spurs the wheels are coming off the bus. Clive, how about you? Bournemouth away.
3: Bournemouth win. Bournemouth
1: win. Zero points for Spurs. <laughs> Holy cow, it's all falling apart. It's all gone wrong for Spurs. Uh I have it a West Ham win and a Bournemouth away draw by the way. Uh Everton at home, I have a win for them in the final game of the season, Tim. Yeah, a win for Spurs. Clive,
3: a win but no one cares
1: no one cares no not with the points you've
3: given them Jesus that's a bad close to (laughs) the season no one cares and I'll be out drinking somewhere I have
1: Paul and Scott's predictions as well I will read those out to you in the final tallies I just don't want to slow this down anymore we'll do Chelsea next Chelsea's first game Everton away I have three points for Chelsea Uh, Clive we'll start with you this time Everton away for Chelsea draw draw okay Tim
2: Uh, Chelsea win
1: Chelsea win Clive, Cardiff away for Chelsea. Damn it. Win. (laughs) Three points for Chelsea. Tim?
2: Yeah, I think Chelsea win
3: again.
1: Yep, and if anybody cares, not that anybody does, I have three points in both of those games as well. I have three points for Chelsea at home to West Ham. Uh, Clive, what do you have?
3: West Ham, Chelsea, that's a draw.
1: Man, West Ham might make the Champions League based on Clive's predictions. Um, Tim, West Ham, home for Chelsea. Chelsea Uh, Uh, Chelsea win. Chelsea win. Tim loves Chelsea. He's got him winning everything. Liverpool away, Clive. Surely they can't get points at Liverpool.
3: They do all right up there, so it's going to be a draw.
1: It's going to be a draw. Tim?
3: Yeah. Liverpool win.
1: Liverpool win. That's correct. That is what I have as well. Um, so then they go to, uh, they host Burnley. Clive, surely they can beat Burnley.
3: Um, at home. Draw.
1: The draw. They're going to draw Burnley at home. Jesus, these teams must be terrible that we're chasing for top four. Um Burnley at home, Tim.
2: I think they'll squeak it. Yeah, win. Chelsea okay. win.
1: Then the big one for the top four, Clive. Man United away, Chelsea at United. Draw. Draw. You know you can pick other other outcomes, right, Uh Tim?
3: Yeah, pretty cool. You'll uh, see yeah, draw.
1: Draw. Okay. Yeah. Clive Watford at home. Chelsea Watford at home. Chelsea home for Watford. Another way to say that. Chelsea win. Yeah. Chelsea win. They kill Watford. Tim, what's the date of this? Uh, (laughs) Let's just say sometime in late April. Uh, Chelsea win. Okay. Chelsea have Leicester away. Clive. Ooh. Brendan Rodgers.
3: Yeah. Never count out. draw. Draw. No, I'm going to go Leicester win.
1: Leicester win. Zero points for the team called Chelsea that we all hate. Tim. Draw. Draw. Okay. Final game for Chelsea. Brighton at home. Clive, final day of the season. Win. 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 Tim. Yeah, win. Chelsea win. 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 Holy cow. Spurs and Chelsea running each other close. Oh, my goodness. These teams are terrible. How is it we were behind them for so much of the season? All right. Here we go. Uh, Manchester United let's see if we can have them fall apart too Tim Manchester United host Watford in their next game draw draw I will post these results online by the way Uh, Clive
3: (laughs) Watford will win 5-0 no I think I'll go draw as well
1: (laughs) draw okay so United cannot beat Watford at home check Wolves away Tim Is, is that a league game it is a league game yeah Okay. I think Uh, they also have a cup game, but it is a league game. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think United will win that. Three. Okay.
3: Clive? Uh, Can I change my – no. I'm going to go Wolves win.
1: Wolves win. Okay. United picking up points at a staggeringly poor pace again. That's fine. That's fine. We knocked the wheels off Solskjaer's bus. I can see that. Uh okay so West Ham home this is C- Clive's favorite for the title Tim West Ham <laughs> uh United home have, to West
3: Ham You have to understand the psyche of a West I, Ham
1: I understand the psyche I, I am a psychologist hate
3: Spurs. I'm an amateur psychologist And they hate Chelsea trust me they're going to This gonna have is not kill your, is
1: not your rebuttal time Okay Tim <laughs> uh, United will win United will win Man United Yeah Man United will win Okay West Ham United will do what at Old Trafford Clive
3: Old Trafford, oh, they'll lose.
1: Okay, yeah. good. Everton away. United at Everton. Tim? Um, United win. United win. At Everton. Clive?
3: Yeah, a narrow United win. and I nearly went draw. I don't think a lot
1: of us think Everton are very good, but I think you may have forgotten that they have won Theo Walcott. Um, <laughs> okay, United hosting Man City. The, the I, I, I have it written here. Manchester Derby. What do you think?
2: Uh, Man City win.
1: Man City win. Clive,
3: where is it? Sorry mate, home it's, away. Where it's it? in Manchester. United. <laughs> Old Trafford. <laughs> Old Trafford. I got a sneaky feeling by then City may come off their peak and United will do would love to um do them. A draw.
1: Draw. That's close to doing them. All right, and right after that United have to host Chelsea and you already have results put in for that. So I can't let you change them, can I? So that's one point and one point okay um Huddersfield away Tim United at Huddersfield the mighty Huddersfield
2: <laughs> yeah they'll
3: win that Man United I
1: think they might Clive difference of opinion yeah.
3: there you no know nope, not even not for content
1: yeah, there <laughs> hashtag too. content last game Cardiff at Old Trafford with that okay <sighs> <sighs> Yeah, United win. Okay, so we just got to get the Arsenal like two points to get top four. Here we go. <laughs> Tim, uh, you know what? I, I owe Clive a start. Clive, Newcastle at home. It says here in May of 2042, I think is our next game. Newcastle at home.
3: It's April Fool's Day, I think, but I it still is. think we'll win.
1: I think yeah. we might too. How about you, Tim? Arsenal win. Arsenal win. The mighty Arsenal. The mighty Arsenal then travel to a team none of us rate Everton. Clive, what are we going to do at Everton.
3: I think this is the most important game of the season. It will be by the time we play there. Because if we win it, I think our waveform will take us forward. So I'm going to say 2-1 win.
1: All right. We are winning at Everton. How about you, Tim? Are we winning at Everton? Uh, yes. Yes, of course we are. This is turning into the Arsblog prediction where we just win every game. Um, all right. Watford away, Clive. That's a tough one.
3: Yeah. I'm not so confident about that.
1: Which is the good but, one, Watford or Wolves? They're both one seven, one eight, right? They're kind of the same team.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, no, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Arsenal win for that one. Of course, you are. Yes. How about you, Tim? Right,
2: so I'm gonna have to go for a draw because I think it will depend on whether Watford are in the FA Cup semi final five days later. Mm. If they are, we'll beat them. If they're not, I think
1: we might lose. So I'm gonna go for a draw. Okay, I love it. Uh, Clive Palace at home at the Emirates, Fortress Emirates.
3: I'm gonna say win, but Palace are much better away than they are at home. They so are. It's gonna be a tough mm-hmm. game, right? So, okay. um But I think if we, what we found recently, I think we'll take them.
1: No so problem. Yeah. You only have us winning four on the bounce there. How about you, Tim? Crystal Palace at home.
3: <laughs> Narrow win. Narrow
1: it's after win.
2: Napoli away as well.
1: I take it back, Clive. We just beat United, so you actually have us winning five on the spin so far. Leicester away, are we gonna make it six, Clive?
3: No, we're not. Draw. That's gonna be potentially, uh, I've got a feeling it's going to be a loss.
1: Okay, zero points for the mighty Arsenal. That's a little scary. Lester away. How about you, Tim? Yeah, I've got us down for a defeat
2: as
3: well, actually. Oh,
1: boy. Okay, so that means when we host Brighton at home, we're going to be angry and ready to rumble. Brighton at home, Clive.
3: Yeah, they're getting it. Win.
1: In the neck. In the neck. Brighton at home. Tim? Yeah, Arsenal win. Arsenal win comfortably, I would say. Then we get a really rough run-in, tricky rough run-in. Last two games, Burnley away, Wolves away. Clive, why don't you give them both to me at once? What do you think we're going to do, Burnley away, Wolves away?
3: I think we're going to win one, lose one of those games. I'm going to go Burnley we win, Wolves we lose.
1: Burnley we win, Wolves we lose. Uh, Clive, you'll be happy to know we didn't need any of those points according to your predictions. But Tim, (laughs) we will need some of these points in your predictions. So... (laughs) Uh, how many are we getting? Wolves Burnley away, what do you have?
2: So Burnley away, I think we'll win. If we've got a win, I think we'll win. If Wolves we win away.
1: that, we may need something from Wolves away in your prediction. <laughs> because right now you yeah. have us on... Oh, no. Okay, so right now you have us level with Spurs for fourth. So it would depend on goal difference if we lose at Wolves away. You want to give us a draw and get us into fourth? <laughs> I,
2: I am going to go for a draw.
1: All right. I... I, I it's happened again, it's happened again. Um, I, Tottenham Hotspur, I, I, it's happened again. Yep. Mm-hmm. I,
2: I think I'm right in saying Wolves have used the fewest number of players this season. So you think they'll be knackered so on, on, the on the beach Depending on when already? that game's played, we, they might be bushed, but it depends on when it's played. Easy but, to yeah, forget, for
1: some of these April-May games against the mid-table teams, they're on the beach at that yep. point, and so you just kind of yep. hope that's the case. Okay, so now I'm going to read out everyone's. So I'm going to start with Paul. <laughs> Paul has Arsenal in third on 80 points. He can't defend himself. Do <laughs> He's got Spurs in fourth on 79, United 76, Chelsea 74. Scott, the analytics guru, Arsenal third on 77, Chelsea fourth on 75, Spurs fifth on 74, United sixth on 72. 72. Elliot, the host of the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast known for his rational and level-headed analysis, has Arsenal tied with Spurs on 77 for third. So either we are third or fourth on goal difference. Chelsea fifth on 76, United sixth on 75. So 75-76, 77-77. So any result changes in either direction, we're dead um by the way i had us losing at lester as well tim tim has arsenal tied with chelsea for third at 77 spurs fifth on 76 united sixth on 75 and what do cl- i sign yeah <laughs> like, fuck yeah <laughs> clive arsenal third on 78 United fourth on seventy three. We're five points clear of fourth. I mean we we breezed it. And then Chelsea and Spurs fighting it out on seventy one points for fifth and sixth. I want yeah, to be clear out for
3: relegation. That's exactly what I want.
1: Surveying six people or is it five people? One, two, three, four, five. Five people on an Arsenal podcast and all five, using their analytics brain, totally informed by their intellect, have Arsenal finishing third and Spurs finishing behind us. <laughs> so, congratulations to us. I think we can all agree. It's happened again. It's happened again. Tottenham Hotspur. It's happened again. St. Totteringham's Day is coming at the end of the season, and we are proud to announce it here in the middle of March. That's going to do it. We whipped it pretty quickly, I thought. Did it quickly. Housekeeping. In the spotlight episode on Aubameyang and Lacazette coming out next week. We have a really special additional Patreon uh, episode coming out next week as well. We're doing some new stuff on YouTube. You can check out. We'd love it if you'd subscribe. To subscribe there that'd be fun too Um, I'm going to post these predictions so you can see them and I'm going to then go ahead and get this podcast pumped out probably 30 or 40 minutes after whenever I say it's going to happen on Twitter in any event we love you we adore you we appreciate you we hope you will sign up on Patreon uh, because who else loves you enough to predict Arsenal to finish third so do that for us Uh, but if you don't we still love you anyway Tim's on Twitter at Stoberto thanks Tim my pleasure as always always Uh, Clive's on Twitter at P A F C. thank you my friend Thank you very much. My name's Elliot Smith. Block me on Twitter. Give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about us in the comments. And we will talk to you, gosh, months from now after (laughs) Arsenal 10, Newcastle Mill.